Good afternoon and welcome back to the EJS show on the Liberty Block with Ed, Jody, Steve, once again joined by Mike. This show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Rumble by searching for the Liberty Block. We invite anyone listening to this as a podcast to join us live on Zoom or by phone and share your thoughts on the issues that we discuss. I'd also add that I took the advice, I believe it was Ed P's advice from last week to put up on Facebook and MeWe before the show, some of the topics that we may cover. So we'll see if that has any influence. Of course, I only did it two hours ago. So good afternoon, y'all. Hey, Steve. Hey, Jody. Hey, Mike. You doing? So lots of stuff hopping and bopping, and we can choose what we want to talk about the most, what we have the most intelligent opinions on. Um, Obviously, there's the Cuomo thing that's going on in New York that he's being attacked on two fronts. One is the nursing home murders, deaths, and the other is the ongoing sexual harassment. And there's several different angles to that. Is he really yeah. being attacked on the on the hospital front? I don't think he's being attacked on that. He's being attacked for the sexual harassment. He's being attacked less for that. But some people think it's because the sexual harassment is deflecting that and they're using that. So there's definitely people talking about both, but you're right. The latter has shadowed the former, which is something interesting to talk about. Um, there's obviously Texas with its big announcement yesterday that supposedly as of a week from today, I'm not sure what the magic of that date is, they're gonna lift all restrictions, although as one of the Liberty Block members not on the show pointed out, they reserve the right to switch all that back if hospitals exceed 15% capacity which as he pointed out, any hospital that's at 15 or less capacity is probably closed. So I'm not 100% sure what that's going to mean. Um, we have New Hampshire, if we wanna talk about what we testified to earlier this week and New Hampshire, besides trying to get rid of the state of emergency, they're also trying to pass a law to negate all the fines and penalties that have been handed out over the last year. Of course, people are fighting back against that. I kind of like that. There's, of course, Dr. Seuss. And there is the apparently CPAC thinking nobody would notice designed their stage like a swastika. And they thought no one would realize that Republicans are actual card-carrying Nazis. And they got caught. It so wasn't a swastika, right? It was like a, a Norse mune or something? Yeah, but I think you're supposed to see a swastika or something. I don't know. It's absolutely absurd. But once again, they will see anything and ascribe Nazism to those of us on this side of the fence. And then there's the usual um, big tech. Gab is um, a been hacked horribly. I don't know if any of you are on Gab yet. And Gab has apparently been blacklisted by several banks. So the general attack on anybody's ability to speak about anything they want. So Ed, Jody, Mike, Pick a subject, any subject, even one we haven't touched, and go for it. Well, I mean, I guess I can start. I, I think we can take the last two topics that you mentioned and sort of tie them together. Um, there's no, first of all, as conservatives, we've been dealing with disinformation campaigns for over 100 years, and we've never tried to silence anybody. Uh, this is all, this whole movement is basically... Now, basically, this whole movement is a response to the right finally having a voice and finally having an opposition. 
and the left just cannot tolerate any opposition. And so they're just trying to silence. That's, it's a very simple thing. And they're trying to do it on a variety of fronts. They're trying to control information. They're trying to control language. They're trying to control thoughts. Um, and, you know, like I said, we've been dealing, we've been dealing with the bias at the New York times and, and for of Candy Crowley and, and even uh, Chris Wallace from Fox news during this last election cycle. Uh, we've been dealing with that for, for a hundred years or, or 75 years now. And um, we've never tried to silence anybody. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really about the left's narrative being challenged and they don't know how to, how to fight on, on the merits of their positions. They just need to silence others. You know, when you can win the argument through logic, debate, and facts, you don't need to silence the argument. Exactly. When you know that you lose, when you know that you have no foundation in your argument, you can't tolerate the argument. So that's exactly what we see happening, right? That's why Except they, they have they have the ability, which never existed before, right. not only to cut off the conversation, but the other ways of doing it by cutting out all your payment processors or your credit card companies your ability to bank. So kind of the choke point, what they did to guns during the Obama administration, they're doing to anybody on our side. So they may have wanted to suppress speech before, but there's so many ways of doing it. And then the boycotts. So they'll say to the Hyatt that since you hosted a convention that had something that some yo-yo thinks looks like a Nazi symbol, we're going to boycott everything you do. And then what they'll do is to go to anybody else who uses Hyatt and say, we're, we're going to boycott you if you don't punish Hyatt. And so most people they, say it's only about five Twitter people doing all this, all the ruckus. So when they say we're going to boycott, is that's just the customers, right? They're not talking about, you know, cutting off other avenues for this com company to survive, right? Because if they're talking just about customers, don't we do that? No, Isn't they're talking about every works? single every single convention in the United States that even dreams of meeting in a Hyatt, they're going to make trouble for. And they're going to make states can't use a Hyatt for anything, just like they boycott. How states. do they have so much? Who, who, are, who is they and how do they have this much power is my question. My uneducated like, opinion is it's a few people on Twitter who raise a ruckus, send out emails and faxes and make it okay, look like there's millions of people. Well, that's what happened with Parler, right? I mean, all of a sudden there were a bunch of people complaining on Twitter and, and that's how they ended up succeeding in getting that taken down. And it, ha it happened to Rush Limbaugh too over the years as well. And, and he actually had a fight at one time and point out how a lot of the accounts were fake. So, so my impression is people are so that. scared that they back down from the least amount of pressure. Okay, so... Jody is exactly right that our side does it as well. Um, and, and we shouldn't stop doing it. Um, and I, but I think that that highlights the impracticability of the amorality of libertarianism. It's, we need to have the right to, to boycott them, but we need to be able to make a moral judgment as to who's good and who's evil. And the left has no problem calling us evil. Our side needs to stop being so amoral about you know, well, I, you know, you know, the whole Voltaire quote about, you know, defending your right to say whatever you want. You know, I, I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend you to the death for your right to say it. I'm not saying we should look to silence them, but I don't think that we should take a, an amoral approach to, to what other people are doing. We can say, 
you know, we can say that the left has the right to talk, but they're evil or that they're wrong or that they're misinformed or, you know, we should never let it be unqualified. It should, there should always be a qualification of how, how wrong or how evil they are. And, and our side needs, needs to jettison the, the, the amorality that libertarianism preaches on that subject. I think it's more than that. I think we just, we don't fight like that, whether for good or for bad reasons. We don't go onto Twitter and try to close down people who host Planned Parenthood functions or who host anti, you know, gun control type of things like that. We just don't do it. We're not organized that way. We don't, we don't just, it's not, it's not who we are. I think our values are different. I think we value freedom. Um, you know, so even for our opponents, we want to, we don't want to tell them what to do, whereas the left is constantly telling us what to do and constantly wants okay. to. I mean, let, let's ask a simple question. How many people jumped on Coke for what they did a week or two ago? Coke is woke. Coke is woke. How many of us did anything to hurt Coca-Cola in any way? I, I already admitted I'm, I love that Coke. I'm Right. Does any of us go to our grocery store managers and say, if you keep carrying Coke or if you don't put them on another shelf, we're going to work out? You know, we just don't do those things. Had Coke gone the other way, people would have done that. The yeah. problem is that the culture is so stacked against us that we have to pick our spots. I mean, you know, I mean, if we were going to boycott every company that went against our values and our ideals, we'd boycott. We don't have alternatives to turn to. It doesn't have to be a boycott. It doesn't have to be a boycott, Mike. I'm sorry to talk over you. It can just be moral condemnation of them. You know, when sure. I just said, when I just mocked Coke by saying Coke is woke, that's a negative, that's negative towards Coke. I mean, I'm not a customer, so I, I can't stop boycott. I can't stop buying stuff from them because I don't buy anything from them, but. We can, we can mock Coca-Cola, but if you still go out there and buy their product, I don't think they really care. You know what I mean? So, uh, but, uh, Mike, I think you make a good point. They may not care, but culturally, you move the needle. You know, it, it, it needs that's the way you change the culture by being willing to speak up. Jody, I'm sorry to have spoken. No, over. that's okay. I think you, I think you're totally right. Um, but like Mike said, and I kind of I, I think I might have said something similar before. When it comes to boycotts, it's not like we have alternatives on our side. Their side can. I mean, they own so much infrastructure of all industries. They can, we, they could boycott Hyatt, and, you know, whatever. They've got alternatives all over the place. We just don't have alternatives. We don't have alternatives to social media. We don't have alternatives to the infrastructure that controls social media, all those things. Education, gosh knows they want to come and, you know, that's already in huge leftist control and what control they don't have, they certainly want, so... It's harder for uh, our side. The government, is, the government is looking to take over the two biggest things that can control our lives. One is healthcare with socialized healthcare. And the other, which I've, I've tried to bang a drum about this is digital currency. Um, they're looking to get a digital, uh, they're looking to replace the dollar with a digital currency, you know, maybe like a Fed card that acts as a debit card for whatever money you have. And they can then not only track every single thing you do, but they could turn your card off either. Yeah, it's directly, so scary. Or, Ed, you know, or, Ed, I'm going to ask you to be really specific. What exactly is going on in that direction right now that makes you think it can happen? Well, uh, world leaders are talking about it. The Chinese are implementing a digital yuan. The Russians are talking about a, a digital ruble. Uh, the EU is talking about a digital currency. And even last week, 
Powell, both uh, Fed Chairman Powell and uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen both said that the that the digital currency is a uh, I'm trying to remember the exact quote. It, it's a it's now a high priority for the administration for, for the United States. Let me guess. It's for our own good. It's going to help protect us. We need it to be safe. It's going to make our lives better. They're going to throw all the kind of jargon around. They're going right? to tell us it's to protect us from terrorists and to protect us from black, you know, the black market. Well, they're um, the terrorists. So that's but what they're saying. It's going to protect some terrorists. Well, yeah, because the all the all the transactions will be able will be traceable. Oh, that's a good one. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, we were talking. Oh. Some of us were talking privately about. You know, negative interest rates. It's enough. It's also a way for them to keep lowering interest rates to try and stimulate the economy. With zero interest rates, the only way you can go lower is to have negative rates. But when you have ca- when you have currency, people can withdraw their cash from the bank. If you have a digital currency, there's no way to withdraw it, and they can take a negative interest rate and take part of your savings. Um, and they can also do stimulus bills that target their own favored businesses. So they might do a stimulus instead of getting a $1,400 debt, you know, debit to your debit card, it might be a $1,400 Walmart debit, or it might be, you know, they, they might, you know, piece it together with different favored companies and say, well, we'll give you 500 for Walmart and 500 for Amazon and, and so on around the line. And, and if you don't spend it by next Friday, it's gone. Right, so they can force you to do it, and they'll they'll control you that way. What happens to the underground economy? We're paying people off the books. How are you going to do that? There's no currency. You've got to do. It's all digital currency. How are you going to pay someone off the books? Well, is that bad for illegal immigrants? <laughs> you know what? I'm against illegal immigration, but I'm I I would. I, I'm just pointing it out. I think it's, I think it's kind of amusing because that's what they want. They want open borders and they want illegal immigration. So. Well, get them their Fed cards, Mike. Don't <laughs> worry about it. Okay, so digital currency is the exact same concept as no cash in the economy, right? Right. It's like a debit card for everybody. And that includes making it illegal for anyone to pay in any other way. I mean, it depends on how they implement it, but yeah, that most likely that's what they would do. The same way they outlawed ownership of gold in 1933, they'll they'll outlaw payment in any form other than through electronic, uh, through the Fed card. Okay, now I'm going to ask an admittedly dumb question. Do they have the authority to do this, or that doesn't even matter? Well, I mean, Article One, Section Eight gives Congress the power to to coin money. You know, whether this constitutes coining money is, you know, open to debate. I mean, Federal Reserve notes aren't coins, but the, but the Congress has authorized it and, and uh, has accepted it as legal tender. We have legal tender laws for it. Um, right, and I guess they would say nothing is more interstate commerce than this, than how you can trade. I suppose they might be able to try and argue it under the Commerce Clause as well, potentially. And, you know, it'd be interesting because, you know, Elliot said he may call in to talk about goldbacks. And to my understanding is Utah has made these things legal for commerce within the state. And apparently as of today, or they passed it, and I don't know as of when, New Hampshire is also saying. So is there any way for the federal government, I hate to say, is there any way they can always find a way, 
why can't states say within our state, at least you can trade in rubber bands or gold backs or coins or whatever you want? Um, I guess I'd have to look at the individual proposal. Uh, the, the, the argument against that would be that the supremacy clause uh, renders the state law un unconstitutional. Um, if the state law can, you know, if this, if the state law that you're proposing is not inconsistent with the federal law, then maybe it would be upheld. I don't know. I mean, to my knowledge, Utah has passed the law making these things officially legal for commerce, whatever that means. You don't have to do them under the table. Right. So again, I don't know how that works. I don't know if somebody who would have standing to sue, would this be something an attorney general of the United States would come in and say, hey, you're not allowed to do this. Would it need a new law to be passed? I mean, I have no idea. Um, good question. I hadn't really thought that through. I, I would, I mean, certainly the Justice Department would have authority to go after counterfeiting and, and false transactions or securities fraud. It probably would constitute a security or it might constitute a security. Um, I'm not sure. Good question. I'd because I mean, you know, I had an uncle who years ago probably for five to 10 years, did almost everything in his life on barter, including cars. I don't know about houses, but everything else he did on barter. And that's not a currency. So therefore they can't regulate it. I mean, would they ever try to stop that? Well, it's, that's technically illegal. Even today, it would probably still be illegal under a digital currency. If you could find somebody who had the exact skill that you want and you had the skill that they wanted, I'm not sure how they would be able to, to regulate barter unless social media companies and, and big tech is able to uh, use surveillance, surveillance to track your, your whereabouts and, and who you're dealing with. Um, you're saying that's illegal or it has tax ramifications? It has. I'm is sorry? it illegal or are there tax ramifications? Well, there are tax ramifications. You're supposed it's to report. It's not illegal to do. You just have Correct. to report. Okay. So well, Liberty the Block. Point, the whole point of a barter transaction is to not report it to anybody, right? I mean, otherwise you would both just pay cat, pay, you know, pay the fee. Or you don't have the cash for whatever reason. I mean, the, the way it was being done back then was very close to if Liberty Block is going to sell ads and instead of people paying us to have an ad on this podcast, we say, well, do me a favor, come to my house and fix my air conditioning unit. And that's a simple barter. So technically the IRS says that I made income and the other guy made income. Although Correct. I as a libertarian have a lot of issues with that because where's that one gonna end? I mean, if I lend you sugar, would anybody say that you have an income of the worth of that sugar? Are we gonna take it that far? Only if you forgive the debt. Right, so when you come to my, <laughs> long time ago, we had a neighbor who used to come over and knock on the door and say, do you have hot water? You know, like in a kettle, we give him a cup of hot water. And five minutes later, they'd knock on the door. Do you have any tea? We give him a tea bag. I said, I'm not making this up. And five minutes later, they'd knock on the door and say, do you have any sugar? Now, obviously we didn't ask for any of that back, but is somebody's going to say that's income? Well, I mean, we're really splitting hairs here in the legal laboratory, but arguably that was, those will all be gifts and you can give up to about 15 or $16,000 per person per year without it being a taxable gift and without needing to be right. 
and then they reciprocate my gift by tutoring my child in math. That's also a gift. I'm just saying the government has to start once they say it doesn't apply just to currency. They have to make really interesting, um, like you say, hair splitting decisions to decide what's a gift and what's not a gift. And why can't I, can I tutor you if you tutor me? If I, you know, I used to learn Spanish with a Colombian lady. She taught me Spanish and I taught her English. And that's a straight up barter. Would somebody say she's paying me to teach her English and I'm paying her to teach you Spanish? Um, it gets a little ridiculous. So yeah, at the, at the margins, it it's it's, can be a ridiculous analysis. Right. And so you're, you're kind of arguing that anything we would use as currency could be called counterfeiting? Is that what you're saying? Hypothetically. I mean, I'm not sure how the law is going to be written. I'm not sure how they're going to prosecute. But um, the goal, the purpose of a digital currency is going to be to, to lock us down and to keep us, prevent us from going off the grid for, transa- for any kind of transaction. They're going to be able to monitor and track every single thing you do. So, Ed, just so I understand it, I mean, it's replacing cash. Does that, I mean, clearly it's not going to prevent us from using a credit card the way we do now, right? Correct. It'll operate at like a debit card or a, or a credit card. I mean, the difference between debit and credit is that a debit card, you put money into a bank. I mean, I debit card is almost like a secured credit card if you've ever used one of those. What, what I'm saying, what I'm getting at is you still have an alternative I have my Visa card and I can pay with that, but you know, let, let me just play this out a little bit in my head. So, you know, I have a job and I get paid and they're, they're paying me electronically. I go shopping at Macy's and I buy something on my credit card. I'm still just paying that through my, my bank. So, But if your bank decides that you're an undesirable or you're a deplorable, they might turn your card off. Just like, but that's the, that's the credit card. I mean, what I'm, Right. Here's the, I'm drawing the distinction between the digital currency, which is a replacement for cash, and the fact that we still have these other ways of transactions done. I don't understand how. I mean, your credit card is digital currency. They're just saying that you can't use absolutely, but it's it's private. No, it's not. It goes through a whole bunch of hands. And all they have to do is say one of the hands can't put it through their hands because you're deplorable. Right. Yeah, Nothing I mean, that's, private that's, about the credit card system. That's different. I mean, what I'm saying is you're, de- you're dealing with a, a private entity, the bank. What happens with that transaction is, is different. That You're talking about the infrastructure, if you will. The reality, you're talking about infrastructure. The reality is that you're getting a merger of big government and big, and big business. I'm not sure that the line is going to be so easy to to tell. Like we just saw with Bank of America and the writers on Capitol Hill, they were willingly turning things over. Again, that's just different from the digital currency where government directly play Big Brother and and watch everything you're doing. It's a very small step to say that any of us going to Washington tomorrow, apparently there's a rumor that March the 4th there's going to be problems, it's a very small step to say we're going to turn down any transaction that has to do with traveling to Washington, D.C. tomorrow. And we'll turn down any transaction that has to do with even talking to people in Washington, D.C. tomorrow because we're, we're stopping terrorism. And the Patriot Act did all that kind of stuff, too. It's really they have the groundwork. And like, you know, Ed said, and I think Jody said, you just 
throw out all these words like protecting the children and stopping terrorism, and why shouldn't they? And would there be enough of an uproar to stop it? Jody, you had a question, and I was going to make a I prediction. Have, but I'll let you. I'll let you make your. You give your question first. Kind of okay. So it might be kind of a stupid question, but when we're talking about uh, doing away with cash and this digital currency system, and you're talking about interest rates and negative interest rates, if I have a savings account connected to my checking account or something, or I have five thousand dollars in my checking account and they have the ability to just turn it off or, okay, would they have, I guess they would have the ability to just turn it off, but in a negative interest rate system, even turning mine off, how does this not hurt banks? Like why, why wouldn't banks be saying no to this? Well, it's funny that you asked that question because my prediction was, was related to the banks. And here's how I, this is my prediction as to how it's all going to go down. I think at some point, the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures is going to be allowed to expire. And when it does, there's going to be a ton of defaults in the real estate market and banks are going to start going under. And we're going to wind up with the banking crisis that's been papered over by this moratorium that's been in effect for over a year now. And when the banks get in trouble, you're going to hear populist voices saying no more bailouts. We're not bailing the banks out. And I predict that that's going to be the, the crisis that they use to replace the dollar and go to a digital currency and basically allow the, the government to be the middle to, to end the banks as the middleman for lending. And the government is going to get in the business of lending the way it does for student loans. Um, so that's what so I think. Banks I don't banks think are kind of asleep at the wheel, maybe. Uh, I think so. I mean, I think that they're they're they think that I don't want to say what I mean, there are a lot of things that could be going on there. I mean, they they think that they're making a lot of money right now, and, and in fact, they are making a lot of money right now. The Fed has been liquid, you know, giving them a lot of liquidity, and their prop their balance sheets have been improving for the last several years, especially in the last year since the coronavirus. Um, but it's all, it's all going to be a mirage. That's what I think. That's my prediction. And I think the banks are going to be in big trouble once the moratorium on evictions and foreclosures ends. Okay, so let me ask you this then. Why would I ever have an incentive to have a savings if it's always in jeopardy? Like, where do I put my savings? I, I would think I would only buy things that I can barter with down the road. Like, why would I ever hold a savings in an account well, that can be usurped from my possession at any moment? The prevailing school of economics, especially among Democrats, but even a lot of Republicans is the Keynesian school. And the Keynesian school is at war on the saver. It's a war on savings. It, believe, it, it advocates spending as the, the means for growing an economy. Spending by individuals, spending by government, borrow, 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 keep spending, keep using credit. Um, so you ask what will you know what will happen to your savings? Their whole goal is to destroy savings. That's their goal. So when you find yourself with fewer and fewer places to put your savings, that's not a bug. That's a feature of their of the system they're trying to create. That's scary stuff. Okay, you know, we don't talk about civil asset forfeiture much, 
from my recollection, it is one of my biggest bugaboos in the world. But civil asset forfeiture says even with cash, if we smell weed in your car and you have $40,000 that you take into your, to lend your parents to buy their new home, they can take all $40,000 and it could take you five to 10 years to get it back. So they're already doing that with cash on very, very flimsy excuses. And there's a lot of states supposedly fighting back. If they can do that with cash, it's a cinch to do that with your savings account. All they have to do is say, we're, you're using it for you know, illicit activity. You're guilty until proven innocent, just like civil asset forfeiture. You want us to uh, unlock your account? Come fight us in court for a few years. Well, Steve, just us having this show talking about it would put us on their, oh, we think you're domestic terrorist lists. Therefore, ergo, we need to shut you down. Not just the show. Well, I think shows that draw enough flack, 100% they could do that. I mean, you know, we sat by, what did they say? First they came for Alex Jones, but we didn't say anything because we weren't Alex Jones, okay? And then they came for Milo and we didn't do anything because we weren't Milo. So yes, they'll take down everybody that way. What I'm saying is they're already doing it with cash and assets. And when I was more conservative, I didn't have a problem with civil asset forfeiture. It's later on when I start thinking about guilty until proven innocent and you have to fight to get your stuff back. So you're, you're not going to have, you make more money than you need. You don't have a choice to put it in your mattress because it's going to be illegal to hold on to any currency. You're only going to get money in digitally. You don't have a choice where to put it because it's never going to appear as cash. Correct. It's never going to appear as anything. So it's not like, why would you put your money in the bank? That's the only place your money is. You don't have any money other than that. And you're right, on the flimsiest of excuses, why wouldn't they take it? And what are you going to do? What do these people do with civil asset forfeiture? They go to court, they spend lots of money. Sometimes they win, sometimes they just give up. So you bring up, you know, people like Milo Yiannopoulos. And I don't know if he's a great example, but kind of he is where we keep, it's like, what is it where they, you know, um, where they just pop down the, it's a game and they just, one at a time, whack-a-mole. They're just doing whack-a-mole and we're letting them because we don't, we're not birds of a feather flocking together. We don't have a unified, no, we just, oh gosh, they got canceled. That's really awful. And these people just get canceled and canceled and canceled and canceled and canceled until we stand up as a group that's super hard to cancel because it's a boatload of people, it's gonna be easy to do, right? Remember, we're by definition individuals. They're by definition collectivists. <laughs> it goes so, in everything we do to fight like that. Okay, so that brings up something from earlier in the show. And until we get our heads out of our booties and start playing the game from an understanding of what drives human nature and not what from this platform that, but we're good people and everyone should behave this way. Of course, that's true. But we also have to live in reality and understand how people function and why the left is so successful because they really do understand how and why people function the way they do. And they exploit it in a negative, really horrible way. But we don't even see, in my estimation, 
we fail to even understand it and uh, try to win the argument based on it. We're still, oh, we still, in my opinion, are playing it under this sort of notion that the world should be or people should be playing by rules and doing this. And, you know, if they, we just make these rules and they play by these rules, that's not reality, I think. Okay, I'm not talk, saying- Talk about more. Amazon. So Amazon decides to no longer sell a book when Harry became Sally. Now, we, we can't and we won't organize some kind of boycott of Amazon. Most of us are incredibly dependent on them and they have the media on their side, et cetera, et cetera. But if they decided to sell a book that insulted certain other populations, those populations would rise up and they would back down immediately. But part of why they back down is because they agree with everybody on that side. All these companies, not all, many of these companies are owned by people who agree. Coca-Cola, maybe not. Coca-Cola may just be a regular company down the middle, but they're scared, okay? But obviously Amazon is a left-wing company and Facebook is a left-wing company. So they agree with these things. So if we attack Amazon, if a thousand people said, we're not gonna buy from Amazon anymore, I don't think they would care. I agree. I don't, um, I try not to buy from them anymore, but I'm talking about um, collectively standing up in the face of people getting canceled and shouted down and, you know, not so much boycotting the big companies, because I agree, you're right. They're so big that um, it would take so much for them to even care. But I'm trying to, to suggest instead of, you know, we just watch as the whack-a-mole happens. Oh, look, there goes another one of ours. Oh, look, there goes another one of ours. It's easy for them to make everyone scared until we are a force to be reckoned with because we've come together as a force, a united force ourselves. Jody, they make people scared because they're on the moral offensive. They don't have a problem morally condemning us, whereas our side buys into, as I said earlier, the, the libertarian amoralism. You know, we say, well, you know, you have a freedom, you have the right to do that. We think, but, but we never put, you know, we never say the second part of that, which is, but we disagree strongly with you doing it. Yeah, uh, I agree. Are, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've, we've had, you know, we've, we've talked about it on this show and, and just, you know, in general, the whole, they're a private company thing. I mean, we've had that discussion since we started doing this podcast almost a year ago. Um, and there's a lot of people on the right side of the aisle that firmly believe it's a private company. They can do whatever they want. And even insofar as that's true, saying that without putting the qualification in that what they're choosing to do with their property is evil, that's the problem. I mean, we need to be on the moral offensive. Otherwise, you're right. We're going to get cowed. We're going to get okay. bullied. So let's game it out. I'm running for president. I win the presidency in 2024. I'm very strongly pro-life. And I decide that any bank that in any way has anything to do with Planned Parenthood, I'm going to give them trouble. I'm going to audit them. I'm going to shut them down. How long would I last? And there we have a very strong moral. Those of us who are pro-life really believe it's murder. And that's a very strong moral belief. But would we get away with that? Or would that another problem I have with our side of the movement. We see point Z and we want to go from A to Z without any stops in between. And the reality is you've got to be constantly laying the foundation for 
for getting from A to Z. You've got to go to B and C and D, maybe not all 26 letters of the alphabet, but there's, you can't just get somebody in control who wins the presidency and then all of a sudden, bang, he gets to, to implement a new, new rule. You've got to lay the foundation. Look at the way the left always yeah. throws out trial balloons. They're always throwing out trial balloons. Some of them are loony, some of them are semi-loony, and some of them don't go anywhere, but others, they become, they, you know, after, after saying it a bunch of times, they be, you know, whether it's to fund the police or, or right. even some of this stuff in the HR1 bill that's currently pending in, in the House. You know, those, those proposals started off as trial balloons and they started talking about, we need more voters. We need to make voting more easier. We need to make, uh, we, we need to make election day, election week and election month. Right. And they don't just do it in one step. They they are constantly laying the foundation. They're constantly saying what they want to do and what they're going to do. And by the time you realize what's going on, that they, they've already laid a whole foundation and they, they're not at point A anymore. They're at point X or Y or, you know, W, X or Y. And our battle is just to stop them from getting to Z. Whereas, you, Steve, your hypothetical is, well, we're at point A. Let's how, how do we get to Z and let's just go from A to Z. It doesn't well, that, work like that. That's the whole concept of, of the Overton window. You're slowly moving things and what becomes acceptable, right? Once, once upon a time, gay marriage wasn't expect, acceptable to anybody. You know, there's certain things that right. weren't acceptable. And now, it's, even okay. some of the things, some right. and now it's within the window of what's acceptable. We, we I'm going to have to get like controversial. Right? You talk about secession. You talk about revolution, all, all these things. They don't just have, you know, I, I know so many people that are ready to just start shooting tomorrow, today. Well, I, Ed, I have to say, you know, you've got to lay the foundation for it. You know, John Hawkins, right? John Hawkins is a well-known political writer. And on his Facebook this week, I shared it to you guys. He, he had a map and he was basically saying he's kind of in favor of secession and breaking the, the country up into various regions. As long as, it, you know, let's do it peacefully. Well, Little by little, I'm seeing more of that on our side. I am. I think we are moving the Overton window on that. You know, I mean, we're still people that be like, well, you're crazy. But, you know, our allegiance is to liberty, not to a nation. And if that nation is no longer, you know, a friend of liberty and it's attacking our liberty, then we're going to react. And, and so I think we are starting to see movement. I do. I do I see reacting to Steve's hypothetical, though, and, and it's not I'm not picking on Steve. I hear that all the time from people on our side. They just want to they have this great idea and it needs to be implemented tomorrow. Sorry, it doesn't work that way. You have to work for it. You have to do the things necessary to build it. We can't. The culture is so lost. We can't even read Christian verses outside of a Planned Parenthood thing. They have a right to push up blocks away and then we have to go to court. I mean, this window has been pushed so far. Elliot, I know Elliot wants to contribute something here. So since he's popping in, I'm going to hand the show over to him for a couple of minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Can you guys hear me okay? Yeah, we hear you yeah. fine. It happens to be we were talking very much about digital currency and cash being made illegal. And I know that's a segue into what you wanted to. So I missed my cue. Okay, yeah. Um, I was at the gym and I ended up fighting someone for like 20 minutes. So it was a long fight, but I won. So I'm still standing, even though I got a black eye. Um, I think you mean boxing, not political fighting. Yeah, no, we were boxing. Uh, uh, the fun, the fun I, thought, I thought it was because of a mask. No, 
No, although his, his girlfriend was wearing a mask, but she took it off when she saw us boxing without a mask. So anyway, um, I have awesome news. I've been waiting for the New Hampshire Goldback for months now, and the New Hampshire Goldbacks, as of today, I believe, are available. For those who are not totally familiar, for those who live under a rock and don't listen to the Liberty Block podcast or read our articles, they clearly have no lives. We did an article and a video podcast interview about the gold back a few weeks ago. It is essentially a currency backed by gold because it is self-backed. It is It has gold inside of it, but it's a flexible bill. So it's a bill you can carry in your wallet. And I do carry them in my wallet. It has gold inside of it infused into the bill in, in small denominations, the smallest being one thousandth of an ounce, which is roughly worth around two, three, four dollars right now. So they have they had them for Utah, Nevada, and now they made New Hampshire goldbacks. And you know they say live for your die. They say New Hampshire on them. Of course, they're all not really legal tender, which is fine. But you can barter with anyone for anything any time. So you can use them all anywhere. But it is nice that they affirmatively, you know, explicitly made it about New Hampshire. At, you know, so it's the third state, and they're going to try to make every state. But it's an honor that New Hampshire is the third state goldback made. Am I incorrect that they made it legal in Utah? That that was the whole thing. Possibly the, the chief attorney for the legal counsel for Goldback or for the UPMA believes that that's what the uh, Utah Legal Tender Gold Act did. But it, some say that it only seems to make the, the gold coins from the government legal tender, maybe not Goldbacks because they're not, you know what I mean, a government minted thing. But that's questionable. Uh, Jeremy says it is. I'm not sure if it is, but. It doesn't matter. Um, the goldbacks are accepted increasingly, widely, broadly throughout the United States and the world because they are gold and people want gold. And the more we see inflation, the more we're going to see people wanting gold, cryptos, alternative currencies. But the second thing I have to say real quick is so an Ed or anyone else here who knows finance, correct me if I'm wrong. Gold generally goes up as inflation goes up, meaning the dollar is worth less. Correspondingly, gold and other products, all commodities, products, but also gold goes up against the dollar. Now, currently, the last few days, gold and silver have plummeted massively the last few days or week or so, uh, meaning it's on sale. So you can buy the gold back for very cheap right now, $3, $310 on the website, meaning retailers sell it for as little as $360. Our partner, Defy the Grid, we'll put the link in below. Our partner affiliate is selling it for like $360 for gold back right now, which is phenomenal. But it's dipped over the last few, few days or weeks. Now, Ed, correct me if I'm wrong, is that because the government the U.S. government is increasing bond yields, which makes the bonds more attractive. So people are moving money to the bond market as opposed to buying gold. So gold is having less interest. And that's why gold is dipping because bond yields are going up. I mean, the gold market is a complex market. There are a lot of things that influence the price of gold. The level of inflation imp imp impacts the price of gold. The level of interest rates imp impacts the price of gold. But it's a very complex market. I don't think you can narrow it down to one or two things like that. Um, and, and I would also say that I don't think the government fully controls interest rates either. Uh, you know, it, it, it tries to manipulate them, but ultimately there is a market for treasury bonds and treasury yields. And at some point, if the, if the government's, you know, if the dollar loses favor, people just won't bid on it and they won't buy the treasury bonds. Right now, the U.S. government is still considered solvent and, and the best uh, debtor in the world. So people are willing to lend it money. Um, but there are a lot of things that go into the gold price. I mean, supply and demand applies to the metal too. I mean, there are a lot of things that use gold as, a, as an input, a lot of things that, that use silver as an input. 
um, you know, especially in, in uh, you know, high tech. Uh -huh. So one of the things we were talking about before you popped in, Elliot, was if it's illegal, then it's not that difficult for the government to clamp down on the whole business, just like Bitcoin. But Bitcoin is harder for them to reach, especially the more secretive Bitcoin. Well, but gold backs would be who is taking them. Steve, wait until they pass the second Patriot Act that they're that they're talking about right now. And I, I have no doubt that they're going to put provisions into the Sec Patriot Act too that make it either illegal or, or make require encryption to, to have keys for the government. Um, they're they're going to come after encryption hard. I mean, that's just the way the Democrats are, and that's the way it's it's going right now. Um, so I don't. But think I think gold is is going to be hard to clamp down on. Are they going to go to the factory? and shoot Jeremy and his factory workers and lock up the factory? Because why unless not? they do all of that, they're not going to stop production. Well, why wouldn't they say he's, it's just like they would stop him if he were growing pot. Why wouldn't they? If he's making an illegal product, then they're going to shut it down like a meth lab. I don't think they're going to need to. I, as you know, Elliot, you missed the, the part of our conversation earlier where we talked about digital currency. I think they're just going to create a digital currency and they're going to squeeze out anybody who, any transaction that's, not done in the digital currency. You're not going to have a way to, to translate your wealth into back into the digital currency if you do it outside of the system. Okay, but I go to 7-Eleven. If I go to 7-Eleven in New Hampshire and he agrees to take my gold back for a bottle of milk, digital currency can't stop that. They need to say that is specifically illegal. Yeah, they have to be how we're gonna this is how we're gonna catch it and punish it. Right. But they but they can make it so that people don't accept, they, they can make it illegal to accept gold. I mean, they've already, you know, FDR banned private ownership of gold in 1933. So that wouldn't be unprecedented. Um, they can just make it, they can make it so that the, that the, I mean, if it's a true barter situation, we discussed that earlier, that would be really hard for the government to really regulate and prohibit. Um, but, you know, if you try and have an, a, a competing currency like a gold back, they're going to, the government's going to come after it and say, you can't compete with us on that. that that's what I, that's. So go back, go back in history. So yeah. FDR made it illegal to own gold, to do commerce in gold. And by what authority, by what right was that fought? How does that happen? He just did it and nobody stopped him. Now, I know governments have done many times where they change the currencies and they'll just say, as of three weeks from now, everything in your pocket is worthless unless you change it into a new currency. So I guess if well, no- I think it's What does worthless mean? What, what I think is going to happen, Steve, like uh, I'll let you speak in a second, Elliot. As I said earlier, I think that what's going to precipitate this is a banking crisis. And the banks are going to be insolvent and people are not going to be able to get their money out of the bank. So that's how they're going to force people into this system in the first place. And they'll probably do some sort of an incentive like, uh, you know, instead of taking 50 cents on the dollar from your bank, we'll give you 100 cents on the dollar, but you got to do it on a Fed card. And that's what they'll do. And they'll, they'll, they'll incentivize people to, to get into the system that way. And once you're in, then you're stuck. Sorry, now, we've been, we've been told that you can't make abortion illegal because all it will do is force it into back alleys. Um, we don't say that about other things the government wants to ban, like guns. But you have to assume, just like prohibition, 
it's just going to force a tremendous cash market underground. They're never going to wipe that out totally. They're just going to harass people like they did during Prohibition. Well, we're going to have more people working off the books and dealing in the black market. Here we call it agorism. This means doing all of commerce outside of the government infrastructure. So How are you going to do that, Elliot? If there's a we already have massive currency. agorism in New Hampshire. What? We have a massive economy in New Hampshire. That right, people, if they implement the digital currency, it's going to make that almost impossible to do. How, well, are, you yeah, gonna, I mean, how are you going to pay them if there's no cash to pay the, the, you know, the illegal worker? Well, he's paying them in gold backs. Yeah, we're paying in gold backs and cryptos. Okay. I mean, like I said, I think they're going to make gold illegal and they'll make cryptos, they'll, they'll, they'll make the encryption illegal. Right, but how will they, you're still going to have the prohibition problem. They they come and put a bullet in every single person in New Hampshire, which is just tough to do. Well, we'll see. I mean, prohibition is the only time they ever backed off, right? Okay. Well, I mean, they're they're backing off marijuana as we speak today. Um, They've been backing off the drug war. They backed off criminal prosecutions. They're letting criminals run wild on the streets right now. I mean, they back off lots of things. Okay. And it could be that the wealthy, there will be some wealthy people who don't like digital currency. And I mean, there'll always be a Switzerland, won't there? Um, I don't know. I Like I said earlier, that, you know, China is, is talking about a digital one. Um, I forgot to mention earlier that I read a story a couple of days ago that the, that they're thinking of unveiling it at the Winter Olympics of 2022, and they're going to for the, the the talk is they're going to force everybody in the Olympic Village to only use their debit their their uh, digital currency for all transactions. Um, you, the EU is talking about it. Russia is talking about it. Um, there's going to be there's going to be no escape. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be the Swiss. I mean, the Swiss could try and stay out of the system. I don't know. Um, We'll see. My understanding of why Switzerland was not overrun by Nazis, because it really is pretty funny how they just sit there peacefully in the middle of everything, is because everybody needed them. Everybody needs one place to do what they need to do secretly. And I, think, has I, think, to I think the answer to that question is really that they had widespread gun ownership and lots of mountains, and it was not, they weren't going to be able to roll their tanks in very easily. But there were other like, ways to hurt Switzerland, but everybody needs a Switzerland. All rich people need a place to hide something. And Switzerland was the lucky one that made themselves into that. That's my understanding. I don't know. You know, Obama went after Switzerland in the Swiss bank account. He did try. Yes, he did. But I don't know how he tried. He came after him. He got them. In some things, he made them loosen up their secrecy, I believe. Yes. But again, everybody needs them. I assume Obama's going to have money in the Cayman Islands as well. Everybody needs one place to hide things. That's my, my opinion. Um, speaking of the Olympics, real quick, if you had to decide do we boycott or not, what's everybody's opinion? I haven't watched the Olympics in a while. I don't care. And, and it's so globalist, especially if it's in China. It's big government globalist politician crap. So I probably won't watch any of it. No, I mean boycott not allowing the Americans to go. Oh, uh, sure. Okay, we didn't boycott in 36. Yep. Uh, we did boycott, when did we boycott Russia? Didn't we boycott one of 1980? Um, obviously, there's the don't play into 
giving them all this phenomenal PR versus we're destroying people who've spent their whole lives training to go. What, what's your opinion, Mike? You know, I'm not, I'm not sure where I fall on this one. I can see both sides of the argument. Um, I, I just, I don't know if at the end of the day, it's going to do us any good. So I would probably. What's going to do us any good? Boycotting it. Where, I, I'm not sure where that gets us. It's not going to do us any good. It's not going to help them. Refusing to help them. Like with Hitler, you know, we allowed him to propagandize the whole world how wonderful Germany was in 1936. Yep. My view is the summer games in, in, uh, in Japan, I think they're in Tokyo. We should go, we should send our people to, to Japan this summer. But the, the Winter Olympics in China, absolutely not. We should be boycotting them. We should be doing everything reasonably possible to disengage and disentangle from China. And that's an easy one. It's, you know, I don't want to be cavalier about the athletes that have been training for it, but sorry, they should blame the IOC for giving the games to China in the first place. China is a dictatorship and a human rights violator, and they shouldn't have been given the games in the first place. We I second that. Huh? I second that. Okay, so and then you could say we could have an alternate Olympics for those. I mean, literally, people train their whole lives from the time they're three years old for the Olympics. So I guess you could offer that. I tend to believe. I have a question for you, Ed. You've been around for a while. You've been smart for a while. When it was Bush, it was Nixon who went to China, correct? Nixon and Kissinger. Were you against? Were you against it then? Did you think it was going to end up for the wrong, or do you think it was a good idea that went sour over the years? Well, in 1973, I was only five years old. But you were very smart. You were a very smart five-year-old. You were a smart five-year-old. Although, well, and I was politically active. Actually, I was following the Watergate hearings. That's my first TV recollection. Um, I have always been opposed to having any kind of economic relationships with dictatorships. I think that we should be reevaluating and reassessing our economic policy and our foreign policy. I think that Trump didn't go nearly far enough. I think that we should, I think that the Bretton Woods system, which was devised in 1944 at the end of World War II, was fundamentally flawed and mistaken. We should not be trying to export democracy around the world through capitalism. It doesn't work. And in fact, all it does is it imports dictatorship back to America. We need to cut ties with these countries. Uh, we had a non-recognition policy of the Soviet Union from 1917 to 1933. We were one of the last countries to even recognize and have diplomatic relations with the Soviet Union. That was the right way to go. That was the right thing to do. Um, and that's what, that's what we should be doing today. We should not be encouraging any kind of trade or, or diplomatic exchanges or, or cultural exchanges with countries that are our sworn enemy and that are trying to destroy us. But there's no chance Biden will do anything against China because Xi Jinping owns him, right? I think that's right. But you we're asking what uh, I would do. The old saying is the enemy of my enemy is my friend, but the reality is that's not necessarily the case. And I think that's part, that's part of the reason Nixon went to China, right? Because we wanted to um, you know, have that relationship and well, he wanted we, to exploit. He wanted to exploit the differences between the Soviets and the and the Chinese. I mean, you had right. major. You almost had a major war between them in the early 1960s, and you know it was viewed as a possible leverage tool. Exactly. But, you know, what, 
thing I mean, with Saddam, Saddam versus Iran. We exactly. backed Saddam and look where it got us. So, or, you know. Or look at the Mujahideen in, 19, in the 1980s that we armed in order to defeat the Soviets. And we wound up building up Osama bin Laden and leading to 9-11. I mean, it just, it never works. It's, it's a dumb policy and it's time for us to reevaluate it and stop and change. Okay, but are you saying you always knew that or looking back 50 years, it didn't work and it can't work? I've always thought that we shouldn't be doing business with these dictatorships. But we also have to learn from history and not repeat the same mistakes. Well, which mistakes, which history? Well, again, I think opening up China, having that relationship has boomeranged and hurt us. I mean, they're, they're poised to surpass us economically. You know, well, the, counter the people on the other side would say that Bretton Woods was put in place to try and learn from history, that the, the, the protectionism of the late 1920s and 1930s destroyed the world economy, allegedly, and, and created the, the conditions that were ripe for Hitler and Mussolini and Tojo to come to power in the fascist, fascist countries. And uh, we needed to have a, an open trading system as a means to opening up the world politically. Um, I just think that that was, it was well-intentioned, but it's turned out to be wrong and, and not wise. So in a sense, that's a very strong America first policy. <laughs> Amen, brother. Okay, and that, that's interesting. Now, you brought up the alphabet before. Um, I can't remember in what context. Yeah, you were saying I'm trying to go from A to Z. I was yeah. trying not to bring up the alphabet today. I don't know how many of you saw in the show notes or how many of you actually watched the video this week about the woman who had a little boy read the gay BCs. Anybody seen that video? I saw that. Jody, you saw that video? I did. And, um, you know, so C is for coming out, D is for drag, G is for gay, I is for intersex, L is for lesbian, N is for non-binary, O is for orientation, Q is for queer, T is for trans. Now, some of us, especially those more conservative, less libertarian, probably have issues with some of this, but yet we can't take a moral high ground because we've been so cowed into anything that in any way attacks or can be seen as not supporting LGBTQ, ABC, DEF, community is horrific. So how do we combat this? Well, you know, say, this, go ahead, Jody. I was just going to say, you know, this is where I have a problem. I'm as a parent of young kids. I don't have an issue talking to my kids and having those be acceptable discussions, acceptable words, acceptable lifestyle choices. But number one, a four-year-old, was he four or six? He was yeah. four. Four. Um, I, it's just generally accepted among adults that that is way too young to be, I wouldn't even talk about homo or heterosexual things with my kids, let alone homosexual things. Sex is just not something you need to be talking about at that age. Um, and you don't need to have those words to have your kids grow up to be accepting of alternative worldviews. I just think it's way too young. And that's one of the problems because I would agree, I have agreed with the left on to each their own. You know, I don't think it's good for anybody to silence gay people or you know 
anything like that, but then they take it to the extreme and suggest, well, if you're not willing to teach your four-year-old about bisexuality and all these things, then you are anti this. They want to make the line between anti and accepting the, um, left, is, the just, left is not about to each his own. That's just rhetoric no. they use to try and get yeah, their yeah. pass. Um, my answer, Steve, is something we've been talking about the last, you know, for a while on this show. There's a lot of talk about the need to reopen schools. I think we need to shut them down, defund them. We need a, a Ronald Reagan firing the air traffic controllers for our schools. This kind of propaganda and this kind of brainwashing is everywhere. And these schools are not reformable right now. It should be left to parents to do these kinds of things. And we should be supporting any kind of movement towards homeschooling and towards, if not homeschooling, what I would call sort of pod schooling, where you know three parents might get together and hire a tutor that they've screened themselves and that they can, you know, some you know, stay-at-home moms or dads can can maybe watch what's going on and maybe participate. There should be different ways of doing it. The, the reopening the schools right now, uh, I believe firmly that the children need in-person instruction, but not from the monsters that are teaching in, in the schools today. Or maybe it's not the teachers that are the monsters. Maybe it's the, the administrators who are implementing this curriculum. But these are factories for destroying the minds of our children. And we should not be putting our kids into that kind of propaganda mill. And going back to digital currency, that would be just one more way of not allowing people to do any type of homeschooling because you would have no way to pay off the books and they would know. It'd right. be another way to shut that off. I also want to mention way back in the recesses of my mind, because I'm a mandated reporter, Jody, you're in medical. I think you are also um, teachers, a whole bunch of us. If I'm not mistaken, speaking about sex in front of little children was considered legally sexual abuse and reportable. And yet, they have this kind of talk is okay. Putting a condom on a banana at six years old is considered education, but talking about putting a condom on a banana could be construed as sexual abuse and you would actually have to report it. So it's amazing how they've gotten both sides of that issue for whichever use they want out of it. Mm -hmm. uh, look, in, in New Jersey, I believe there's a push for curriculum on gay sex, and that could go all the way down to the grade school level. Um, we were talking about a while ago. I forget where it stands. Um, not to mention their climate change agenda that they want to shove down the throats of kids in public schools now. Um, that actually did pass the legislature. It's signed by the governor. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I mean, I got to be honest, I have, I've had my kids in public school, and all of the stuff that I see going on now... Um, really has me at a point where I don't know down that road anymore. So it's going to be a tough choice for me, but, um, you know, there's just a lot of things going on, stuff like that, that I just don't know if I can tolerate it. Hence Ed's point that our schools are unreformable, so defund the schools. Yeah, I think totally. All right, I'm going to start wrapping up. Everybody gets to say what they wanted to say and what they want to say. Go ahead, Jody. I'll go last. You go last? Okay, Mike, you go first. No, go ahead, Ed. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna yield my time. 
I thank the gentleman for yielding his time. Well, we had a lot of we had a lot of good discussion today. There were a bunch of stories we didn't get to. Steve, you mentioned the whole Cuomo story, and I think that's an important story. Um, I think it's it's you know as we I, I sort of interrupted you when you were giving your rundown of the story to say that they're they're really not talking much about him his order from last March 25th to force elderly people with COVID into the nursing homes. The, the, the push for impeachment is really focused on his sexual harassment. And, and I don't think that's accidental. Um, I think that they're trying to distract from, from, the, uh, from, the, from the nursing home scandal. But more fundamentally, I think, I think what's going on is the path is being cleared for, for Kamala. Uh, Cuomo is one of the few people that can challenge her. Uh, I think Biden is fading. He's, he hasn't had the State of the Union address. We don't know if he's going to have a State of the Union address. He doesn't speak much in public. And when he does, he makes one gaffe after another. Um, I think that the, the groundwork is being laid. You know, that we talk, I talked earlier in the program about how the left doesn't just make sudden changes. They lay the groundwork for things. And I think they're laying the groundwork for, for Biden to be pushed aside. I'm not sure exactly how that's going to happen yet. But uh, it does seem to be what's what's on the agenda, and I think destroying Cuomo is is part of that uh, is part of that game because we all know that that leftist politicians can get away with any kind of sexual harassment that they want. It's never it's never an issue for them. So, and and Cuomo in particular has been a stalwart opponent of Trump. He's been outspoken. He's well spoken. Um, I don't agree with him, but he's a smart guy. Um, the, the kind of guy that the left usually would, would idolize and worship and, and go, you know, go to the mat to defend. Um, and I think it's important to ask, well, why aren't they defending him? Why haven't they circled the wagons to protect him? What, what else is going on? And, and the only thing I can think of is they're, they're trying to, to clear the path for Kamala, who's going to be pushed into the presidency and potentially face primary challengers in 2024. And Cuomo would obviously be a, a primary challenger that could, you know, cause her trouble. Um, Is it your impression that, that he's going to be taken out or you think he's going to hang on? Um, I'm guessing he's going to hang on, but he might not run for reelection next year. But it's possible he gets pushed out. I mean, they're talking about impeachment. And I wouldn't be surprised in, in, in the least if he did get pushed out. Um for the simple reason that if they were going to defend him, they would have defended him already. And they, they obviously are not defending him. He seems expendable. He seems like someone that needs to be taken out. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if he gets taken out, but you know, that's a kind of disgrace that I'm not sure he's going to, he's going to do. I mean, you know, Franken quit, but Northam stuck it out and won. So sometimes these Dems can just ride the long wave and survive. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen to him. Yeah, I'm not really sure why. I mean, your theory is as good as any. Ed is why. Like, why now? Why all of a sudden? Is well, maybe hard. because he's a cocky you-know-what who stepped on everybody's toes, and now they see he's weak, and they can get back at him. That's a simple explanation. Nobody yeah. likes him. But cocky but and big mouth is what the left likes. I mean, that's that's one of them. That makes that That's not a demerit. That's a... a positive thing in their in their view but you know, if he's held accountable for the nursing home deaths then uh 
we have to turn our eyes to a certain governor in my state. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's and that's what I think is going on. Sorry, Mike. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's going on. They, they're trying to obscure that scandal. Um, and, and so I think there's twin purposes involved here. I think they want to take the focus off of the nursing home scandal. Um, and just more generally, they, it seems like there's a lot of people that are pushing for, for demasking and reopening society. I mean, we didn't talk about Greg Abbott and reopening Texas. Um, you know, whereas guys like Fauci have been talking about putting masks on for the next, you know, into 2022. And, um, you know, the nursing home scandal is something that can really hurt the left's agenda as far as keeping the, the restrictions in place. And they want those restrictions. They want that power. They want that control. So if they need to cut Cuomo loose, keep it, they'll, they'll cut Cuomo loose. I have no, no, no doubt about that. Okay, and let me ask you one more question, even though I'm way over my own time. Sure. Who's running the country? Fantastic question. I don't know. It's not Joe Biden, and it's not really the private sector because the private sector is clamped down. Um, Some people say Obama, but I don't see that. It's just the radical left in general. But who's, who's actually writing the speech for Biden? I mean, literally... Is it Jill? Who's literally running this country right now? It's a group of people. Some Obama, yeah. Biden people, Harris, Pelosi, Schumer people, their staff, their lobbyists. I don't know. It's 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 pretty interesting that we're we're very Soviet Union like in the way we're running our country right now. Okay, Jody, what would you like to say? Um, nothing. I just wanted to add uh, the the um. The Texas thing and them opening up seems a little bit like um, uh, Groundhog Day, you know, where you hear they do that and everybody's hysterical because it's just horrible. You're making this deadly decision. And, you know, just like what they said with Florida and, you know, it just it's just hysteria um, that one other thing. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. I, I mean, it's just doesn't generally play out in the numbers that I've seen. Deaths okay. per um, 100,000. I, I want to say one other thing about Texas, actually. I, it's, Abbott's action reminded me of something Nikki Haley would do. He's, he's trying to play all sides. He's, he's trying to, to leave it. You know, he wants to make it seem like he's opening up, but at the same time, he's leaving it, leaving it totally open for local officials to impose the the most draconian restrictions that they can and it, it's a, it's the exact kind of uh fence sitting that nikki haley is has done and that's that was my thought when i heard of what abbott was doing um I, i'm not what's the alternative forcing forcing institutions to open not not allowing them but saying you don't have a choice you must do this well, I think also Texas is an incredibly large state and the few cities that are blue may want to clamp down, but that leaves a tremendous amount of population that's still free. So well, defense, those people elected those people. So let them go with what I have no problem with leadership that. they elected. Yeah, the Austinians can live under the thumb, but he's freeing yeah. those who don't live in Austin and San Antonio, Houston, et cetera. And their it's businesses will, you know, 
feel the heat of the decisions of their leaders, but they elected them. So yeah, I do agree with you. It is a little bit Nikki Haley like, and I guess we can use that as almost as a hashtag because she sure is blowing in the wind. Yep. Although she's not that far ahead of Lindsey Graham, is she? <laughs> That's a whole nother discussion. A whole nother discussion. Let's wrap it up for today. Go ahead, Mike. Uh, the only last thing that came to my mind was I, I was wondering if anybody had watched Trump's speech over the weekend and what your feelings are about him running again going forward and leading the party. Because my sense at this point is we need to get beyond Trump. So I was a little, I don't want to say troubled. I'm not surprised, but with the straw poll had, uh, had showed. Uh, I was encouraged to see DeSantis second, but I, I'm concerned at this point that it would be Trump again, and I don't know that he can win. Next you know, my sense is, Mike, it is March of 2021, and it makes absolutely no difference. I said this to somebody the other day. There is so much can happen in the next two and a half, three years before this matters. No question. Now, if in 2022, he says he's running, then I think it's a really good conversation. But right now, I think we should learn from Trump some, some, there are valuable lessons to learn, but I'm not a fan of the idea of him again. Right. And the point you're also making, Jody, inadvertently, is even among those who voted for him in the straw poll, if he really were to run, there may be a lot more Jody's. I, I think it's so ridiculously premature. I think next year it's going to start mattering a little bit. And then obviously in 2022, it's going to matter a lot. I think it doesn't matter at all. I think it doesn't matter who runs ever at all. Trump 2022, 24, doesn't matter. This country is finished. And I didn't even realize about the ABC, but mark my words, within a few weeks, it'll be federal law. That what? I, that what? Any well, book is the ABCs and, you know, a corresponding Oh, oh the uh, gay, word. The gay, it's called gay BCs. Yeah, gay BCs. They'll all be mandatory to have those GBCs that B stands for bi and C stands for whatever, cisgender, evil, um, you know, or B, B gay. They'll all, that'll be mandatory within a few, within a few weeks or months, mark my words. And, well, and C, again, then conservatives will wake up, maybe. C stands I, for common core. I saw Trump's yeah. speech. HR I saw Trump's speech and I thought it was a pretty good speech, but I, I'm, I'm not going to dissent from the panel. I think that you know, not just now, even while I was watching it, I thought this is too little, too late. We need to, we need his ideas. We need an America first platform, but we need a different messenger. And, you know, I, I thought throughout that it, he sort of reminded me of Moses, you know, Moses got the, got the Israeli Israelites out of Egypt, but he wasn't able to get to the promised land. And I think that's the way I see Trump. He, he made some important contributions. He, he got the ball rolling in an a America first direction. Uh, the Republican Party has been about globalism. And, I, you know, that's actually something maybe we should just explore in the maybe in next week's show. Uh, I think that the, the real threat to us is not socialism and communism. It's globalism, uh, which is the, the vehicle by which socialism and communism is being imported here. Um, but uh, Trump did a, a really good service for the Republican Party by highlighting how valuable and how uh, popular an America First MAGA par uh, platform can be. Um, I just think that we need a new spokesperson for it. 
Um, that said, I think if he runs, you know, I, I would be willing to support him again. Uh, I, I'm supporting that platform more than uh, the particular candidates, though. And I, I wasn't done with my doomsday prediction. I, I think HR1 can pass, which will make it impossible for a Republican to get elected in the country, at least for federal elections. But maybe they'll amend the HR1 to make it federal law that every single state and local election for state and local officials also has to have the same mandatory mass mail-in balloting with no excuse and ballot harvesting and 10 days after the election you can still keep voting and therefore no pro-freedom person can win elections again i think hr 127 no. to pass which bans all guns in the entire u.s and then maybe people will wake up after that there's no constitutional authority for hr1 i mean i know that we can't trust the courts but that's a blatantly unconstitutional bill there's no authority for the federal government to displace the states for state for state elections uh with the possible exception of the 14th Amendment, but they're not using the 14th Amendment. I think I asked you a question for you. it doesn't matter. About FDR and gold. And you said he just did it. Yeah. So who knows? I just want to make one final They'll just statement. do it. Who's going to stop them? You? We're, we're going to stop now, but I do want to make very clear. Um, I'm officially extending an invitation to Christy Nome anytime she wants to come on this show. She is more than welcome. We'd be honored to have her. I'm sure she's listening at this point. We know which Dakota she's from, and I'm sure we'd all agree we'd love to have her on the show. She had a great speech at CPAC. That's I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I, I'm a fan. Yes, I love her. Okay, and I will give a tremendous bounty to anybody who can get her on the show. In gold bag. <laughs> all right. I'll take it. Have a wonderful I'll evening, take it. folks. See you all next week, 4 o'clock. <laughs>